Hi, and welcome to another episode of Starburst TV. This is a really special episode because not only do I have two great guests from Best Secret, I have Lutz and I have Issa. I've also got our very own Justin Borgman, our co-founder and CEO. The topic today is about the modern data stack. Let me lay some context. I want to show you some numbers and then I want to talk to Best Secret and Justin about their views on what that modern data stack looks like, specifically a comparison between what we often refer to as a cloud data warehouse versus a modern lake house. And so we start to contrast those a bit with numbers, with Best Secret's experience, with what Justin's seen out uh, in talking to customers. I want to kind of lay out some context so you can understand what this looks like. With a business lens, when we're talking about this lake house versus data warehouse perspective, typically the business teams don't care, first of all, right? What your business teams are looking for is they want speed of delivery. They want their existing projects, particularly their emerging projects. And you'll hear a little bit about emerging projects from Best Secrets, but they want to talk about how they can accelerate the delivery of those projects. That's what they, when you, somebody says modern data stack, they mean, is it going to deliver my projects faster? They want agility. They don't want to just be able to work with the existing data sets. They want to be able to quickly work with new data sets, data sets that might be acquired. If there's a new business model that gets created, they want to be able to integrate retail data with trading data, or they want to integrate different financial data sets together or different customer data sets together. And so the ability to respond with agility to new business demands is really important to them. And first and foremost, the number one thing is they want to be competitive. They want to make sure that they're driving their analytics capabilities better and faster than their competitors are, right? Everybody wants to know what we're doing with generative AI, right? How can I feed the engines faster? How can I drive new business models? From a business perspective, that's what, they, when you think about a modern data stack, those are the features, those are the capabilities you're looking for. With an IT lens, we're concerned about cost. If you're in the middle of a cloud data warehouse journey today, if you know, you know, we understand the pain, uh, the migration, the cost, the complexity that's involved with trying to migrate a lot of data into one place. That migration is painful. If I'm on the IT side, I want to reduce that complexity. I want to try to find a way to leverage data where it sits. I'm not against moving data. There are great reasons to move data to a lake. There may be great reasons to move data to a warehouse. What we would argue is that you're never going to get it all there and you need, must have the optionality. If you want to deliver to the business teams, you want the optionality to be able to try to leverage data where it sits today. And so you want the agility like the business teams. You want a cost-effective solution. You want to reduce complexity. And at the end of the day, you want it to be sustainable. I don't need to migrate all my data into one spot and then in three years have to migrate out of it. I want a sustainable approach, an open approach. An approach is going to allow me to continue to access and exploit data where it sits. That's when we think about a modern data architecture, those are the features we're looking for from a business and from an IT perspective. The message here isn't if you're down that cloud data warehouse journey, stop and reset. No, the message is actually, if you're on that journey, pause and rethink. How can I make additional investments, small investments today that can allow me to accelerate value for the business? What does a lakehouse architecture look like in comparison to my data warehouse architecture? When should I use one versus the other? How do I use both? And if you're just starting the journey, if you haven't started that cloud data warehouse journey, maybe it's a great opportunity for you to think first and say, hold on a second, 
Maybe I go to that lake house. Maybe the lake house offers me everything that I need today and moving forward. So that's the context. Let's look at some numbers. Giga Ohm, independent researcher, did some comparisons. Starburst versus popular cloud data warehouse, Snowflake. And the numbers are interesting, more than interesting. Let's take that first one, 72%. So GigaOM would argue, based on their research, that the migration, right, the cost to migrate to Snowflake versus the cost to implement something like Starburst in a lake house environment is 72%. The, sa the savings are 72%. We're 72% cheaper, if you will. If you think about how much it would cost you to migrate, how much, how much you're going to spend on people, what the broader pain of that migration exercise is going to be, it's 72% less to do it with Starburst in a lake house. Okay. Let's take a look at the TCO savings. So it's there's a lower cost of entry. Got it. What does it cost to operate? According to their numbers, they would argue that it's 55% over a longer period, 55% less expensive to operate. And we sit back for a second and think about what that actually means. I think you can break it apart by looking at it this way. If I'm not having to manage these data pipelines, if I'm not having to manage or having to manage ongoing migration, if I'm not having to create a big central IT team to continually model my data in a proprietary format, if I can query a lake house, if I can query data where it sits, if I can enable and empower my teams to do more on their own, there's incredible savings there, right? And not only are you saving money, but if you look at that last number, that 90%, that's the most interesting piece. Remember the business lens. What the business cares about is speed to insight, the delivery of data projects. If it's less expensive, I've got more money to deliver more projects. If it's faster to deliver, that means that my teams are able to create business impact with a much rapid, more rapid rate. But the reason they're doing this and the reason they're actually quicker is one, they can access data. But two, I think it's because you're enabling teams to do more on their own through things like data products, through self-service. When your teams start to get access to their data on their own, and those teams are able to take that data and implement it into their solutions on their own, I always say, if you want the business to run fast, give them the keys, you can get 90% faster time to insight by just enabling, empowering your team to do more on their own. That's the story that I think we're going to hear a bit from Best Secret about, and I'm looking forward to having the conversation. Let's welcome our guests. Isa, Lutz, Justin, welcome to the show. Glad to be Hello. here. Hello. Glad to be here. I want to, I want to start off first because I went to the Best Secret website like a lot of our audience is going to do, and I, I was eager to buy some clothes. I heard a lot about the, the styles, the, the European. You know, you go to Paris, you see, I understand everyone in Paris is wearing Best Secret. You go to Italy, they're all wearing Best Secret. And so I said, I, I need to get something to wear. I need, I need to look sharp for today's show. And, I, and I, I could not become a member. It is a secret indeed. Uh, how do you become a member? Can you guys still cook me up? Can you help me out? Yeah, that's that's kind of, of, of our special thing. And you see, is on my background, we are part of something special. And that's essentially what makes Best Secret great, that we are that we are a close community and we can make a great offering to, a, to, to selected members, right? Where we know they will appreciate the offering and um, also that our suppliers will appreciate who we offer our merchandise to. I love that Best Secret approach. Like when you know, you know, when you're a member and you realize you can get sharp looking clothes uh, at the right price, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to send you a code. <laughs> Please, yeah, send me the code. And I'll tell you what, next show I do, I'll be wearing some best secret. I'll be wearing some best secret. So let's, let's start the conversation. I, I want to jump into, I hope, I think you heard the monologue there, the opening monologue, and hopefully it resonated with some of the things we're going to discuss today. I want to start the conversation with you, Isa and Lutz. I, I want to talk a bit about the specific challenges that you encountered with your previous data stack, where you started, what were the challenges that you had, particularly with Snowflake? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, so, so essentially, approximately one year ago. So, it's essentially, in 2019, we we started this whole cloud data warehouse journey to Snowflake, and uh, we we essentially started onboarding the the big uh, enterprise data sources like ERP and WebShops, and since we we are an online retailer, and then we started onboarding smaller smaller teams like payments and so right, which also have their own databases. And approximately one, so essentially one year ago to, to the day, we started having, uh, so we, we, we started seeing more and more issues. So one issue we, we saw, we, we, were, we are still using Looker as our analytics platform. And the, the cost for Looker on Snowflake kept rising, right? Yeah. And it was really hard to put a lid on that. And even after spending considerable time on optimization, we still saw like a month-on-month -month increase every single month, right? With very little options for us to to put a lid on that and we also saw increasing effort to onboard teams right so when because usually when when you onboard a tech team like if it's doing payments or checkout or whatever right they usually bring their own data and they want to see their data in combination with whatever you have in your cloud data warehouse that may might give insight into profitability or whatnot they they want to to see their data combined so that they can I don't know, may, maybe figure out which payment method is the most profitable. And so Snowflake is a great technology and a really performant technology. However, if you build a cloud data warehouse around it, it's inherently monolithic. So it's a very fast monolith. And, and that means you have to build a lot of ETL. So whenever somebody comes along with their own data set, you need to build an ETL yeah. So that they can even start to figure out if they're doing something, some, something valuable. And that's why we saw in and increasing effort on our side. And around that time, we, we first looked into options how we can put a lid on our looker cost, right? Because obviously cost is usually where the pain hits first. And then we, we looked at some, some options and we decided for Trino because uh, you, you can easily read data from Azure Blob Storage and that's where our data is already sitting. And then we, we started to slowly move Looker workloads to Trino, which lowered the cost in a nice way. And we gained some ex experience with the tool and then we're able to essentially do the same we did before with a fraction of the cost. Because obviously if you just run open source Trino in Kubernetes, it's way cheaper. And while doing this, we, we realized since Trino is like not only a query engine on Hive data, which we did at that point, but it also allows you to to connect to other catalogs, we realized it also gives us this really awesome opportunity to, to make Kafka data visible to analytics users without ingesting it. Because by then our approach was, there was a topic in Kafka, the analyst had to learn that the, Kafka, that the topic is there by, by coincidence essentially, because they didn't see Kafka data directly. And after this happy coincidence happened, they asked the data engineering teams. Then we took a sprint to add it to the data warehouse. And when they then realized it has no value, we would keep consuming it to, to Snowflake for eternity, right? Because we usually didn't know it has no value. And then, then we started leveraging this, that analysts can directly see Kafka data and they can, they can do data exploration 
in instantly, right? In instead of waiting for one or several sprints. And this this essentially opened the door to, to look more into Starburst because then we realized, okay, if we go this way, we need obviously ODBC and we need an actual GUI because not everybody wants to to run dbvar or wants to run SQL in the command line, right? And then essentially we started looking into Starburst and we ultimately decided to go full way Star. And right now Starburst is essentially our our main data platform. The the remaining data we have in Snowflake is is mounted in Starburst as a catalog, right? And we we yeah. So I believe that actually went a bit past your question. So sorry about this, but these, I love uh, this <laughs> points out the, the pain points we had. Uh, I want to underscore a couple of things there uh, because they're really important. The first is this, this idea that when teams come with a problem, they're often bringing their own data. They're bringing new data, right? It'd be fantastic from a data analytics perspective if every new use case we had was going to use the data that I've already spent months and months maturing and modeling. That's not the way it works, right? All these innovative use cases, there's new data sets. When somebody introduces new data into the equation, now they've got to wait. So there's a pain point there that we're trying to overcome. The second thing you said that I thought was really interesting and really powerful is that when you allow teams to get broader access to data, open access to data, instead of having to move it somewhere and wait till it gets there to see it, I look at that as like you viewing your data in a data warehouse through a peephole. You say, hold on a second, stop looking at it that way. I want to expand your view of data. Now you're able to see the Kafka data. That's even more powerful. What I mean by that is now I can be even more inventive, right? I'm going to give you three Legos and I want you to go build a house. Well, I need more than three Legos. I don't even know where to look. I'm going to show you all the Legos and I want you to build whatever you want. That's what we're talking about really is exposing and expanding that view for all those data sets. And so, yeah, really, really powerful. I heard I mean, the, the, yeah. the great advantage is to like, whenever a new topic is created, you instantly see it yeah. in the catalog. So you don't have to activate it manually and like it's instantly there and the data comes in the right format you don't have to uh, parse json like you, it is already like you can access it by dot notation and stuff that's like really helpful for everybody yeah. i want to i want to dig into this 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 concept uh, i heard you in a previous uh presentation and you hinted on it just now, this idea of emerging projects. And so we have new teams that come with, the, they were driving innovation, they're driving invention. You call them emerging projects. Uh, I know I work with banks and others, they may call them kind of the, the innovative projects. What was it about those emerging, those emerging projects? What challenge that they have that I think really kind of drove you down this direction? How did you help them? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so essentially, with an emerging project, I mean everything where we still have to to iterate until we find the final solution, right? They they have some idea what they want to do. They want to optimize something, or they want to to introduce machine learning in some um, aspect of our of our company processes. But um, obviously, since they are just starting out, things will change. Like schemas will change, data needs will change. Whether they even need the data platform at all will will show itself over time right and for what what we what we have been doing before we essentially try to figure out by asking smart or we thought we were asking smart questions to figure out if it's worth to invest the time to build an etl right because if you do this um i mean what's i mean actually actually payments data is a good example and if, if you have ever ingested payments data into a data warehouse it's, it's a massive pain right you you have many providers they have weird formats, they change formats. Um, you, you have 
they deliver at different times with different yeah. um, like with different reliability. And this is quite a pain to the day, right? So I see every day failing airflow jobs about payments because we integrated essentially this this old way, right? And um, that's so that, that's that's essentially what makes it so so painful when when you have a monolithic data warehouse because you you first have to decide I'm going to do the invest I'm going to build the ETL and then usually it doesn't pay off for everything right because you ETL everything into your data warehouse right. you run this every day and they use maybe a percent of the data all the time right so you wasted a lot of effort or maybe maybe for some projects you even say okay that's not worth it but it turns out that it's it's a massive thing in the company and either you have to catch up or it's built somewhere else right and what 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 we're doing now we can essentially so in in our company most people have have their data in secret server actually right because we are pretty so we we are running pretty much on a microsoft stack so essentially whenever somebody comes along they usually have a handful of kafka topics and a sql server we just add it to to our catalogs we give them some onboarding and some general general introduction we we recommend using dbt and then they can pretty much do, do they can pretty much self-service themselves right beyond just asking questions or getting some guidance and with this change we are able to support many more projects at the same time right so and with a lot much so we can focus much more on our core problems and all these peripheral projects that are just that are just growing it might be important in the future can be on onboarded in the data platform without needing too much of our attention. Fantastic. I, I mean, we even have created an application like a streamlit application where you can upload your CSV files and then have it directly in the database. Like it's the GUI, and then if people have some example data where they want to join with existing data in the data, in the on the platform they can do that too and they're like really happy about it because before that it was a little bit pain yeah yeah i, I love tools as a as a former cdo <laughs> i love tools that allow me to move faster then also that allow me to be creative right that allow me to invent and i want to use a tool my way my teams want to use the tools in their way so to speak and so that optionality mm -hmm. uh, i think is is a something that we don't always appreciate but the teams appreciate I want to underscore something you, you said there because I think it's it's important. We we talked about this 55% uh, less cost to implement. We talked about the 72% uh, lower cost from a TCO perspective. I think I, maybe I got those backwards, but it's certainly much less expensive to operate uh, a lake house with Starburst. It's certainly much less expensive to implement a lake house with Starburst. The 90% number that I showed in the previous slide, this and I said 90% time to insight. You, you just described why, and I want to I want to tie those two together because I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand. I had a banking customer, a, gosh, it was at the start of this year, I think, tell me that we were five months faster. And I remember that quote. I was like, "What do you mean we're five months faster? That you're five months faster than Snowflake?" I said, "Well, that's that's quite a statement. Explain it. When you look at it from a business lens." And the business comes to the data team with a request, an emerging project, a problem, an innovation idea. And you're able to very quickly ideate and say, because I think what you described there was a trade-off discussion. Hold on a second. What data do you need? When you're inventing, you don't always know what data you want. I was like, well, I don't know. I know the data. I think it's there. I'm not sure if it is, but I think I need this and this. And so from the IT perspective, we're trying to get you on the business side to be very specific about what you need so that we can only move that data. It costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time. The more data I move, the more data, uh, so to speak, it's gonna cost more and take more time. So 
if you can be sharp about your question, I can be sharper in my response. It's not the way it works. We agree on a data set. I move it and maybe I migrate that into Snowflake and then I show it to you. and You're like, yeah, that's, that's not what I wanted. I wanted something else. And so you're caught in this loop of, of iteration. Either you move it all at once, which takes longer and, and costs more, or you're in this constant loop of moving data until you get it right. That's not innovation. That's not the, what your competitors are doing, right? And so what you want to do, the way that you achieve 90% faster time to insight is you sit in a room and you say, how about this? Is that what you want? Change that field. How about that? Is that what you want? Add this customer column. And so when you can ideate with speed through federation, now, now you're driving the right type of competitive analytics that I think your business teams want. That's how you achieve 90%. So fantastic. Justin, I want to come back to you for the next question. So you, you've heard the, the best secret story. How does this resonate um, with other customer challenges you've seen, uh, other Starburst customer challenges? Does this sound familiar? Have you seen this? Is this a trend you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the secret is out uh, on, <laughs> on this. That, you know, the, the, the original, you know, modern data stack, if you will, isn't really all that modern. It's really the same stack that's been around for decades, just a cloud reincarnation of that stack. You know, for, for decades, you had Teradata or Oracle Exadata as the central enterprise data warehouse and all roads, you know, led to, to that, that EDW and you had to move all of the data and it was, it was truly a monolith. Uh, I think as Lutz said, you know, a fast monolith. Uh, and that's what we suffered with for decades. And then in the in the cloud era that we're in today, it's the same general story, just the individual components have changed. The names have changed instead of Teradata, it's Snowflake, but you still are struggling with, with a monolith that's not flexible, that can become extremely expensive. Again, we've seen that movie before with Teradata or Oracle or what have you. And so I think all of these things are kind of replaying themselves in, in this particular point in time. And you're seeing smart customers like Best Secret start to evolve their architectures to build an architecture that will stand the test of time. I mean, I think that piece about emerging projects um, and being able to adapt and be able to bring in your, your own data that you've been working on or see Kafka topics that are streaming in, that is the, that is the reality of today's data landscape. And I need an architecture that's going to give me the flexibility to be able to adjust as my architecture changes. And I think that's really what Trino represents. And, and so I think it's a, it's an increasingly common you know, pattern that we see. Love it. Love that, that comment. The secret is out. I, I had dinner with the CDO for a large health organization on Monday, Monday night. And uh, I do think the secret is out, right? Uh, I was sitting there, he was educating me on their journey. And he said, we we've accepted that we're going to be in this hybrid approach for some time. I've got a warehouse that works for me. I've got mature use cases in that warehouse that work for me. I've got a backlog of new use cases that I, I'm never going to be able to get through that warehouse architecture fast enough. And he said, but I've got a bigger challenge. The bigger challenge is that my teams don't have the confidence to execute those on their own. Everybody's stuck in this mode now where they think they've got to wait to get the data there. And then once they get the data there, they're relying or relying on somebody else to get a model. And so there's this process that we created where our business teams, our data science teams are waiting on somebody else to get the data ready. And so he says, I want a hybrid approach where I can still continue to leverage my warehouse where I need to, but I want to implement. And so thinking about a lake house with Starburst, I want to implement Starburst on the side where then I can start to knock down these new use cases. But more importantly, I want to empower my teams. I want to give them the confidence to start to do more on their own, right? I want them to, to actually log in and look for data and pick the wrong data and say, that's the wrong data product. Let me try another one. That's the wrong data product. Let me, let me build my own. 
that's what they're trying to build is you want to build confidence in their team so they can start to do really more on their own. And that's how we create speed. Uh, Issa, and let's, from, from your side, you, when you were making that decision, uh, and I know you have a mature data warehouse that works for you, right? In some cases, maybe it's slow to get stuff into, maybe it costs a bit more than you were expecting, but for the large part, for what's in there, I suspect that it's working. What factors led you to pick Starburst and Iceberg kind of as this new vision, this new future? Uh, yes, so so essentially we made this choice uh, um, around the start of this year, right? After already running for several months with uh, Luca on Trino. And at that point, we we had already realized that that so at, at that point we we had already realized that Trino will be like will will be a lasting occurrence in our tech stack, right? Because because it solved a problem, and so it makes sense to have it, right? And then we we essentially contemplated if it makes any sense to to have mixed like to have Snowflake and Trino and possibly Starburst in the stack, right? However, that, that so we we decided against this because although it is nice, right, and having Snowflake still somewhere in the mix has benefits, but um, it drives complexity and cost, right? That's why we said, okay, only on Snowflake alone, this is not going to make us happy because like that's why we had a lot of trouble last year. And so we, we said, even though we like it as a product, we, we, cannot, we, we cannot sustainably have like a dual cloud data warehouse, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, <clears throat> maybe I can add some points too. Please, like, please. So one of the main points was like that we wanted to go open table format, like yeah. being independent from vendors. Like I think by now, most of the providers are supporting Apache Iceberg. And Apache Iceberg has like itself a lot of nice features like having uh, snapshots, time time travel, or like new features coming with branching and things. And how it works with Trino is like, it is really easy to set up Iceberg on Trino. And yeah. that, that was like one of the points too, like how we, why we went with Trino and Starburst, because you just need a meta store, you just need a blob storage or cloud storage and then you can set it up and <clears throat> and yeah. it can read parquet files and I think the newer functionalities are like you can migrate directly from Hive to uh, by calling some procedure calls and yeah that's like one of the main points too. Yeah, yeah that, that integration, that simplicity is, is by design. I think Trino and Iceberg have been together from the beginning. I think the, it took the rest of the world a little bit longer to catch up but that's it's, it's not by accident, right? Those those two products are very well designed to work mm. exactly the way you described them. Uh, I mean, the other point is too, like that we, so you can like, if for example, Trino is under too much load, you can still take Spark into it and then use Spark to ingest data or utilize Spark for other aspects of, of this. Like it, it's just making it possible to use uh, whatever best, tool is uh, the, like or by the task and right now we are already utilizing spark for example we added fabric microsoft fabric to our stack maybe yeah lutz can tell something about that too yeah well i want to ask a little bit about outcomes oh, okay. um we, we've talked about a couple of outcomes i think we talked about certainly the, from a cost perspective you know i mentioned the gigaohm study that said lower overall cost of TCO. And I think we heard that in your description, there was a cost savings there. Um, we talked a bit about 
the self-service, right? The enablement of teams. I love that. Uh, we talked a bit about the idea of taking my emerging projects, my innovative projects and accelerating their delivery, allowing them to deliver faster. What are some other outcomes maybe? And I may have, sorry if I stole your thunder there, but what other outcomes would you point to when you look at where you, so far in your journey and where you are, uh, what are some other outcomes that you, you would describe? And so, 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 so I believe actually the, the point Isa started to, to make about integration with other tools, right? Because, because with the Trino, Starburst, and Iceberg combination, you have a true separation of compute and storage. So not only separation in terms of different scaling, but like completely different vendors. And so when, when we started moving to Starburst, some teams who had like very, uh, who had very specific reporting spilled up in Power BI, essentially uh, raised a red flag and like said like we we can't do it because there are integrations from from snowflake to power bi which simply don't work the same way with um Starburst and power BI, right uh, however after after looking at this for a little bit we saw that the way better option than trying to 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 to, to put all users on starburst was essentially to use the users who need this very specific power bi, power bi integration on power bi uh, on microsoft fabric which is like this whole ecosystem of data tools from microsoft in, including spark and and even a sql endpoint so people who who want to look at our data but only no sql server can actually do this via data fabric right because they have the sql endpoint included in there and that is, that is also one of the major outcomes here, right? That we that we can onboard teams who are not even willing to use Trino Starburst, right? As long as they're just able to read uh, to read data from Azure Blob Storage. Love it. Yeah, that that optionality, that empowerment. That's a powerful story for sure. I, I, I we hear it over and over from our customers. Great. It's always great to hear. As we close up, and and this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, first, before I. I say anything else. Uh, Issa and Lutz, I, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, we're going to close out here in a second with Justin, but I want to just kind of stop for a second um, and just highlight some of the key things that we described. Uh, I think you started your journey with a cloud data warehouse, um, which for, for a large part was working well for you, I think. I think the challenges you described were really more around how do I deliver my emerging projects with speed how do I can I maintain a sustainable TCO? As you said, there were looker costs and snowflake costs that were really starting to go up. And when our operations costs go up, what it does is it squeezes our investment dollars, right? And so we can spend less on innovation because it's taking us so long or so much to spend on operations. And so when you can kind of balance that a bit more and complement that architecture with a starburst that allows you to leverage data where it sits, allows you to really push and maximize the benefits of a lake house now you're onto something, right? And then when you can empower the teams in the front end to do more on their own, now you're really onto something. Right now, as I said, you've given the business teams the keys to drive as fast as they want. And so I really appreciate that story. It's always fantastic to hear from a customer. Thank you for joining us today. Justin, I'll give you the microphone to close us out. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Adrian. And again, yeah, thank you both to uh, Issa and Lutz for joining us here and sharing part of their story. I had the opportunity to hear their story in Munich, uh, couple months ago when I was there visiting our uh, German sales team and, uh, you know, watched Lutz and Issa on stage uh, at an event, uh, you know, start their presentation with, 
we're, we're moving off Snowflake. And I think the entire audience just, you know, went, went silent and, and leaned forward and was very, very interested to learn more. But this is exactly the story that we're seeing is that, you know, it's becoming increasingly expensive uh, and it is a fast monolith, you know, as Lutz mentioned. Uh, and I think what people really want is they want an architecture that's fast, easy and open. And when I say fast, I, I mean, not just query performance, although that's certainly one element of what Trino and, and Starburst provide, uh, but also that entire time to insight, that speed of agility, that ability to query data where it lives rather than having to build a custom pipeline every time that you need new data uh, for your analysis. Uh, so that's the fast portion. And I think, you know, the gap between a traditional data warehouse and a data, data, uh, data lake analytics engine like ourselves has narrowed so dramatically that people get data warehouse performance uh, without having to have those trade-offs of, of a monolith. Uh, in their architecture. Open in the sense that you're going to use open data formats, exactly as Issa was pointing out, you know, Trino on, on Iceberg, we call that Trino on Ice uh, for short. It's becoming a very popular design pattern uh, where you get all the benefits of an open data format that you can use with other engines, other tools, exactly as Issa described, uh, and getting, you know, tremendous performance with, of course, Trino on, on Iceberg. Uh, and then lastly, you know, easy. And I think for us, at least as a company, this is where we've been working very hard to make this architecture, this fast, easy and open architecture uh, as easy as possible. And that's really what Galaxy is all about. Uh, Galaxy is uh, our second product. It's the product that we introduced about a year and a half ago. And it's a fully SaaS managed uh, uh, product, which makes it super, super easy. I mean, it's just point and click, connect to your different data sources, run your queries, create curated data products uh, all at your fingertips. And I think um, you know, that's at least directionally where we're going as a company, what we're investing very heavily into, again, bring the power of this architecture that really began with the internet giants like Facebook and LinkedIn and Airbnb and Netflix, but really bring it to the rest of the world. Uh, and that's what gets us excited every day. So thank you again for joining us. I hope this was beneficial and I look forward to seeing you all soon.